I like to record because that's like perfecting a moment where um, performing live is creating a moment. And, and I really enjoy that. It's so good for me. And I just thank the most high that I have an opportunity to do it because I don't know what I'd do if I didn't do this. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever this is. This is Machu Bidia, Don Samuel Kajiki, Padding Crime, Ricardo Medina. Hello, hello, hello. And this is another episode of BS Beats and Daily. And at the time of this recording, it is March 31st of 2019, which would make it the 20th anniversary of a little movie called The Matrix. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we might as well kind of just... Um, share that one time for those who don't know um on the subject of that uh you know basically i did a retrospect review a video review of the matrix trilogy with uh ricardo here and um two of our our truly critic truly critically colleagues basically summerly polonais and julian neves unfortunately you know some hiccups some circumstances came into the way and we couldn't really put that up on both youtube and facebook but you can look for it on IGTV. So I will put a link to the DF Studios uh, IG page, basically. Now, once you log in there, you should be able to see the actual videos. It'll be split up, basically, into, like, these 10-minute clips. I mean, that's that's the platform. That's how they work with, you know. If, if you have a certain amount of, of followers, then you could just put up, like, a, a whole hour-long video and whatnot. But, you know, we sat from the, from the bottom, basically. So it is what it is. Yeah. <sighs> The, 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 the struggles of a struggling uh, um, video creator. Oh, boy. Sorry, a content creator, I should say. But all that aside, though, uh, we do have a few um, things to talk about. Uh, well, first off, in your case, Ricardo, you went to the, well, last night at the time of this recording, um, the press play, the tour, uh, 2019, South Edition. That, right. uh, well, once again, took place in um, San Fernando. So um, right. I was curious about it, but, you know, location-wise, I from the east, you from the south. That kind of thing, uh, but you went to the to the event, so you will just kind of give us a little recap as to what happened, right? Uh, after that, I will follow things up with the final season of uh, Comedy Central's Broad City. I was really excited to see, you know, um, how this how the show um, would have ended. You know, um, for one thing, I wouldn't call myself the biggest fan of the show, but I really, really, really do enjoy that. It's one of the few Comedy Central shows that I really do enjoy and really enjoy watching. Uh, Afterwards, we will finally talk about the Netflix action thriller flick, if you want to call it that, uh, Triple Fr- uh, Frontier, which uh, yeah. stars um, former I Am Batman, a.k.a. Uh, Batfleck, a.k.a. Ben Affleck. Yeah, so he's the star of yeah. that. Uh, we'll, follow thing, we'll follow that up with The Highwaymen, which is this sort of a period piece, kind of a crime detective film, which uh, stars uh, Kevin Costner and Woody Harrison. So yeah, old veterans, two old veterans literally in this. And to close things off, we're going to talk about the highly anticipated um, second feature film from writer, director, and Oscar winner, of course, um, Jordan Peele. This would be Us. 
This is a movie that a lot of people have been hyping up, you know, ever since the first trailer dropped. And, you know, we were we, both of us finally saw it. And we will share our honest, honest thoughts on that movie. So, right. kicking things off, uh, press play the tour to, uh, 2019. Like I said, I wasn't there. So, you know, take it away, Ricardo. Let me know what went down, what I missed, and how it was in general. Yeah, um, really enjoyed this. Just, uh, they didn't bring in anybody particularly interesting. Um, there's a couple interesting bands. Um, it had a bigger crowd this time. Um, well, you know, it was just, yeah, just, I still had a lot of fun. No news artists from my perspective, just everybody who got to play the same stuff um, from last time. Um, the only new person I'll say that was of note is this really young rapper who performed last called ABA, I think is his name. Um, ABA, ABA, ABA. Yeah, I think right. so. Uh, yeah, he had he had like two or three amazing tracks. Um, and he got he got like I think I don't know who he got to to produce his stuff, but like that was on top top point production wise, especially the first track, which is like really fire track involving these jazz horns. Um, mm. yeah, I I was just like, oh shit, this is because I kind of wake me up because I was like, all right, well the last performer don't really be that big or anything like that, and it just just come and just, just burn down the joint. Um, <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Um, well, sorry, right. Oh, um, well, one person was relatively new in the premiere. This is somebody I kind of working with halfway, halfway. But both working with him in music and in film. Uh, a fellow called Jelani Ned. Um, uh-huh. Well, he, he more premiere his, um, his, you know, his two brothers, especially his younger brother, who kind of started his career off now. Um, and well, the, the main group is called Nedopod. And you know, Janati has been doing stuff for a long while down south, but Nedopod and the well, the younger brother in particular, uh, I think he's Omari, he called Blackline, he's a rapper called Blackline. Uh, yeah, they 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 had a really great early performance in the show. Uh, three of them, they, that was really good. They have a couple of great tracks that I actually want to make videos for. Um, well, well, Mike Weiss performed, you know, solid as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, couple rock bands I could remember, I think one rock band named Rory. Rihanna or something like that. Can really pronounce the term, the name. It's like a real long version of the pronunciation. But I think it's re- basically it plays out similar to Rihanna's and the Bajan singer, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Then what else was? Yeah, it wasn't really like nothing to note about because everybody who played last time played this time. A couple missing and a couple wouldn't show up. Um, it had a bigger crowd, as I said. Um, Oh, the same band that I like from last time, from I think it's Maloney, I think um, 699. Mm-hmm. They performed. Um, a lot of it was just, well, a lot of it was really pro- pro- um, promoting, well, you know, um, Joe Black of Southside Lifestyle, um, you know, brand in particular. You know, he officially opening his studio soon. Uh-huh. He's kind of hyped for a lot of people. Um, the, the, well, we get to, well, I, I got to meet some of the larger players in his, his world. Because um, nice. the event was more um, more official in that sense. Um, well, uh, Sky also Sky at uh, Sky Lounge also has a big Sky Rock Festival coming up soon, um, which is yes, like yes, big, yes. yeah. So the Sky Lounge people they, they promote that as well. Say so, okay, cool. Um, uh, those are the because um, I believe I saw the the ad fit on TV. Those are like the the cover bands for Lincoln Park and uh, Coldplay and stuff like that, right? Well, or my ticket about or my ticket about a ticket. Um, I think it's another concert. Um, some concerts are supposed to be taking place in yeah. in, uh, in April. Some rock concert, something like that. 
there's there's yeah, that's that's what I talk about. The Sky Festival rock concert is a Sky right. rock concert, right? But they're... I don't know if it's for bands. They, I mean, they, I suppose they do covers, but can't really call them cover bands for see. Um, right. they have I a lot you. of material. Um, one one band in particular that stood out. Um, well, they didn't play t- this night, but they played in another thing. I went to when that was boy, Carnival. I think Carnival Wednesday, Wednesday before Carnival. I think there's um. A band called Psychic Envy. They, I thought, were really talented. Um, that's that's about it. I not really. I can't really say in good contrast. I, I really was it's not like I didn't enjoy the show or anything like that. But nothing was. I I can't say I really anybody was new, new, new. Who say to right. really talk about? Really, really just um, Black Line, which is Jelani Ned's little brother, and uh, this uh, this dude called EBA, and that's pretty much it. Everything else was kind of it. Uh, this, there's a guy called. Some I forget the other guy. He did a track called Zessa. Or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Zessa is like this, 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 um, this slang that people just kind of right. can't get enough of in 2019. And I'm like right. one of the few, just like, all right. Um, I don't, yeah. What yeah. Zessa? But Zessa, I think Zessa is like a new wet man, effectively. That is what. Yeah, it is, yeah. Right? Essentially, that's okay. what it is. Anyway, so he had a song about that. And well, he was all right, but he, I don't think he had a particularly interesting performance. People kind of slowed down at that point. I said, you know, this, this, you know, them kind of performances kind of lull. Um, but yeah, it was good. Uh, yeah. Good night. Uh, before I forget, um, was, was Yasha there? AKA the, the, um, the chick with the green um, ukulele. Was she there or she wasn't? Right. I was, I, I was yeah, she was there, but um, I think I, I had to step out to do something at that point. Um, okay. So I, I, I missed like most of her performance. Yeah, she was there. Um, uh, the new, but yeah, 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 she was there. So she she had a big, I suppose she had a big thing, but I missed most of her performance, unfortunately. Um, so that's about it. But yeah, I, I just went, I enjoyed myself. But yeah, it, it had a solid crowd, um, bigger crowd than, than last time, which just showed that it, it, the, the, the building on momentum. Um, nice, nice, nice. And. Yeah, like some people from North came down. Like clearly, people from. Well, I was, I was kind of making a joke. Just one girl, she was clearly from beyond the lighthouse. Um, you know, yeah, I got here. She accent. Uh, so that was, that was all these little things. I was, I was making jokes about. So it's like, oh, people come from far to do this. Oh no, I forgot one thing. Who performed that? He was he was brilliant. Uh, well, local rapper rapper who, for one of us, that hasn't done a live performance in a while. Uh, Kino Nocturne. He did a great performance last night with most, most of his set. So I was like, okay. Um, he was notable and particularly really well done. Because, yeah, he, he rapped in the game and he, from the side, he kind of went through a little bit of a kind of, um, I, I don't know his business, so I'm kind of purely speculating. But from the side, he went through a kind of crisis slash revival. So his career kind of take a return of form, in a sense, kind of return into his roots kind of vibes. And yeah, yeah. Oh, his, his, okay. his performance was great. Um, all right, all right. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think nothing else really to think about pussy. I mean, I don't have a list in front of me because they did not provide a full list. Because I think I was just trying to look for who was taken and uh, the guy who did the, the beat. I did speak to the guy who did the beat for that last rapper who produced the beat for the last rapper. And yeah, that was like a real hard beat. Yeah, that shit like real hard. Like it's a, it's a sample I'm familiar with, but he just played a really, really great beat. And mm. people are just like, just, you know, bumping their head. And then he was a solid rapper himself. He was an absolute brilliant rapper. But the beat, the beat, the beat well complimented him. You know, so it's like, all right, go good. 
Uh, yeah, I can't put that in, in, in something. That was just too fire for me to not to let pass up. So I, I, again, right. I was just wheeling and dealing after after just talking to them and you know numbers and and cards and whatnot. So it's about that. Right. Nice, nice. Uh, well, I mean, that that's that's what I expect you to do. You know, getting networking on and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, here's hoping we see some some really dope, fiery, uh, music videos from you. Uh, I don't even want to say in the near future. I'm talking about this year, as in 2019. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> all right. So moving along now to uh to TV for a bit. Um, so um. Well, you didn't get you didn't actually watch the series finale, but um, I managed to actually, despite my whole trying to get this these Matrix videos off the ground. Um, of course, we're talking about uh, the season five and the final season of Comedy Central's Broad City. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so basically, this was a show that, like, honestly, I can't remember how I got into it. I think maybe it was just the the flashy um, title cards because that's something I always loved about the show. Um, the flashy title cards, the animation that they do, this kind of yeah. fluid kind of psychedelic in a way, but just really fun and vibrant title cards that they do for each and every episode, right? Um, but bef- but going into the show like way way back when, I didn't even know who Elana Glazer or Abby Jacobson were, right? But as I got into yeah. the show, I was like, hey, they they actually like pretty cool, now. Um, well, they they're funny. They they're hilarious. Um, they're not they 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 could be raunchy, but not to an annoying degree, you know. And this is something that I always loved about them. I guess I could argue because it's a medium of TV and it's not you know a movie, so you know it's not like they could just go full R-rated, right? But the point is that you know with it being a TV show, it's not like they could just kind of you know um, downgrade their talent, downgrade their their, their humor and their you know. Um, right. Their, their comedy talents, basically, you know, just to get a cheap laugh out of us. There's always like a level of, you know, there's always like a level of thought into what they do, even if it's something crass and vulgar. You know, it's something kind of silly, something ridiculous, but it's always kind of funny and smart and witty when you think about it, right? And this is something that I always loved about um, about both actresses. And for one thing, just right off the bat, you know, they have such excellent chemistry together, you know? And yeah. essentially what the show is just about, it's, you know, their shenanigans with each other. So um, so basically, Abby basically um, wants to be this illustrator and, you know, just sort of trying to get these jobs and trying to stay within these jobs just to make money to get by. Um, and then we have Ilana, who's just like the wild, crazy, more kind of sexually f- uh, free and experimental uh, one. You know, by the way, they're both Jewish, by the way. And, you know, it's just about them in New York City. So... While it is primarily yeah, about their day-to-day yeah. lives, it yeah, is also essentially like a love letter to New York because, and that's one thing that I love about the show as well. Because, um, yeah, I mean, even though I only spend like four months in the states because I did this whole kind of foreign exchange program thing, and I was I was I was in New York for like about let me just say, like off and on, let me just say like about a week or two basically. But yeah, I I love New York City. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. It is probably right. <laughs> one of the best places I've ever been. I want to go back there again. But really, what the show does is like not just a love letter to to New York, but it just shows that it's just this sort of like cultural and social melting pot. You know, there's all these races, all these. Uh, well, you know, they also focus a lot on the the LGBTQ community there. And it's just that life there, that that whole New York life, basically. You know, the the joggers, yeah. people who go to like Central Park, and just that that's that world. You know what I mean? And 
as somebody who loves New York, this is this is why I always tune into that show. Every time I watch it, I was like, yeah, boy, I just really want to go back there because this. I don't know. I just love New York so much, and this show is just New York. I love you, basically. You know what I mean? But just with these right. two crazy um, Jewish American girls just getting into you know sh- one shenanigan after the next. Right. Um, so, Ricardo, what what what's your history with um with with Broadway? Like, how you got into that show? Yeah, I think if I I, I can't remember. I think they used to be on, on YouTube. They had a comedy like a comedy bit stylings on YouTube for a while, and then the show got picked up. Yeah, I know they had but, a YouTube series, but I only learned about that like way later on. Like, I didn't even know right. that they had a, a a YouTube channel and a following, you know, before right. the show came up. Yeah, they, they were kind of they were kind of again you, you mentioned Jewish, but yeah, they were kind of the Jewish equivalent of um, this girl now, um, insecure now. Just, oh, yeah, kinda, like, like Issa Rae, yeah, yeah. Sorry, right? Yeah, it's just them being funny, you know, clever skits and bits. And yeah, they should got picked up for a full a full set of material. No, just good writing. Um, you know, just good scenarios going forward. A bunch of great guest stars on the show. Um Yeah. And um, well, speak, speaking well, of guest stars, um this was this was the show that actually introduced me to Hannibal Burris. Like right, I didn't even right. know who he was until I saw the show. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, so yeah, and so yeah, I was familiar with him from before in well mostly with because I Eric Andre. And yeah, um Show was pretty good on and going forward. I think and I, I just keep up with it over time, but I didn't get chances to keep, keep up with it this season. Uh, so filming on you know how things wrapped up going forward. All right. So, it, yeah. So without, I'll, I'll try my hardest not to to to, to spoil um, anything with this, right? So basically, season five plays out kind of like the way I ex- I expected it to, but I'll get to that in a bit. So, uh, you know, as as the, the, the show started, you know, we are introduced to both um, Elana and Abby, right? They're both in their 20s. But um, <laughs> as as the, the, the season premiere starts now, um, and I actually really, really enjoy the season premiere uh, because basically it's the story is told through the uh, perspective of like these Instagram stories, right? So it's all these hashtags and filters and just everybody, everything just being recorded off of um Abby's and Alana's um, phones. So yeah. it's just basically just them doing this tour around New York and just doing all this stuff because it's um, Abby's birthday. And I just done through this perspective. I need to see like a story bill while they're doing one crazy thing after the next, right? But yeah, um, uh, Abby turns 30, which is funny because I always thought that they were both like, you know, I, 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 I don't know, for, for the life of me, I never really figured Abby to be older than Ilana, but then when you think about it now, right. it's like, yeah, it kind of makes sense because Abby's the more kind of, I wouldn't say restrained, but she always kind of kind of like to think twice before she does things while Ilana's just like, well, whatever, effort I just got to do what I want because, you know, I'm, I'm free, you know what I mean? That kind of stuff, you know, she loves that, right? But yeah, um, Abby turns 30 and yeah, right off the bat there, it's just like, all right, well, I had to kind of figure out where my life going, you know what I mean? Like as, as right. much as Alana's, you know, uh, her, her BFF. And they really stressed that throughout the whole series, eh? how big of, of uh, how, how, how big of a BFF um, she is now. But still, it's just like, she's still feeling empty. You know, she wants more out of life. So she really t- wants to take the whole illustration thing to a whole new level. Um, she considers going to this, um, this, this basically this gig, um, and it's not in New York, actually. I think it's somewhere in New Jersey or something like that, right? Where she's right. going to just be doing it full-time, right? She's not going to do it as a, as a um, not even like a side hustle, just as a hobby, right? 
because as we know with the with the series, it's just her doing all these odd jobs and whatnot. Um, I always loved. I forgot what season it was. I don't want two seasons where she's working at this gym and the the guy who runs the gym or one of the trainers. Um, they had some kind of relationship going on there. I thought those moments were funny, but yeah, basically right, right. it's just her kind of trying to figure out a way. Uh, meanwhile, Elana now, uh, well, uh, her gay Hispanic um, roommate actually decides that he wants to leave as well you know and they were sharing their um apartment for some time but you know now that he right. has a hispanic boyfriend now it's just like well i want to just stay with him now you know and then on top of all that well Alana's now learning that um well yeah abby wants to really consider you know doing this whole illustration thing full time and she may leave so that affects her you know uh, because Alana is just so wild you know it's always it's just like hard for her to kind of process the fact that yeah uh my best friend biggest friend in the whole world is gonna leave me right yeah right. uh meanwhile now elana well what's going on with elana now is that uh she's also she's actually considering um learning um uh just basically wanted to be a psychologist right because <laughs> there are actually a few moments where she well one in particular where she's talking to uh her um well former uh roommate about just some stuff that he was doing basically he was doing some hoarding I was just like her trying to kind of get into his mind and understand why he's doing that. Like, what's the big secret going on, right? So she figures, hey, I actually could talk to people and, you know, help them out now. So she's considering actually, you know, doing a course, actually go, uh, yeah, doing a course basically in psychology, right? Um, at the same right. time, uh, her on and off again relationship with Lincoln Rice, aka uh, played by um, Hannibal Burris. Yeah. Basically, he wants to start this whole dental um this whole dental thing, thing business going on with his brother, I think it is. But yeah, I'll be, yeah, I, uh, I remember we spoke before. Yeah, you, you saw that episode, right? So, yeah, he basically wants to do that um, elsewhere. Well, not in New York. And because of that, he yeah, kind of wants um, Elana to come with him. But at the same time, yeah. she's like, well, one, I don't want to leave New York. And two, I kind of not ready to settle down and be in a real, real relationship. Because that's how it always has been with them. It's just that. Just this kind of off and on thing. Sometimes she will right. hook up with somebody else and that kind of vibe. Now. But she, she really does have uh, feelings for Lincoln, right? So essentially, that's what the show is about. It's just these um, our two heroes once again. But yeah, as, as it is the, 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 the final season, it's like, okay, well, now we have to move on. But can we really do this? Can we still be friends? Is this the actual end of our relationship or not? Right. right. So... Um, Overall, yeah, this is a solid season, um, as as expected. Uh, I really did enjoy a majority of the episodes. There were just like a couple of them that didn't really click with me. Um, just mainly because just not not so much that they were not funny or anything like that. It's just that joke wise, it you know it just didn't really hit with me as much as I expected. But like the first half of it, because once again it's 10 episodes right the first half i thought was incredibly funny like um the the, the first one now let's say the, the season premiere the one is where it's essentially it's instagram stories telling the story here i thought yeah. that was that was on point it was it was hilarious there's one basically about uh elana realizing that her one of her ex-lovers basically had this account uh, for her to um basically this bitcoin thing going on so mm -hmm. she i did have this whole running guy with her trying to sell this product called um what is why is is smartphone wigs basically or iphone wigs right. or something like that there. so just basically real hair but it's on top of a smartphone there. 
you know, and she just wants to take that business full time. Now that's that's something that she's considering that she considered, sorry, before she told about the whole um, psychology thing, right? Um, but it's when you reach like the halfway mark or, yeah, halfway mark, right? This is where, basically, well, that episode that you're talking about, um, where you have that dinner scene with Ilana and Lincoln and they're talking about this this contract, basically, right? Their relationship contract. You know, what type of sexual positions you'll learn, you'll do, right. or, you know, the type of shows you'll watch and all that kind of stuff. But then when he talks about wanting to do this dental practice, it's just like, well, I know if I want to shack up with you, basically. And it how it kind of just leads to a certain point. And, um, like it was going for dramatic, but then it just kind of goes for absurd and just um, kind of, kind of. I don't want to say raunchy, but uh, kind of crass, I would say. Because, yeah, that's one thing about the show. Eh? Um, they would always kind of go into like toilet humor, you know, that kind of vibe, you know. Um, and I don't know, like, like just that, that's just always their, their style, in there, you know. Um, their, their brand of humor that they're not afraid to be a little, you know, childish, a little bit crass and whatnot, right? It's not that, oh, well, we're women, so we have to kind of tone things down and be a little bit more intelligent. No, they could be a little ridiculous while they're at it, you know what I mean? But yeah, um, and just how that episode kind of wrapped up, I thought it was pretty go- uh, cool as well. There's even one episode where, uh, well, because the the uh, roommate left Ilana, now she brings in somebody else now, and it's just her trying to get along with her. And then, well, last few episodes, of course, kind of involves well, um, with Abby kind of finally revealing that, hey, I'm actually going to leave now. I really want to see more of the world, you know what I mean? I've been in New York for how, how long again, you know what I mean? Like, um, 10 years now? It's yeah. like, yeah, I actually want to do something else new now. Just to get to the to the series finale, um, well, which is um, titled Broad City, by the way. I thought that was really cool as well. It is that even balance of, you know, just heartfelt, kind of sentimental slightly teary-eyed even though honestly i didn't cry at the end of it right it's not so much like the last time they're going to communicate with each other or see each other again but it's the last time that we as the audience are going to see them again right so that's really yeah. that what they're trying to aim at here and um i thought that you really handled it quite nicely though you see some characters from before show up again and the last shot the last shot in this though i thought kind of just excellently kind of sums up what the whole show is about uh so acting wise i mean it's still solid you know i mean Ilana and abby just have such great chemistry together and i really honestly like while i was watching the season i was just like god but i really gonna miss seeing them you know you know what i mean like um i don't know just even though sometimes the antics could go like really over the top and and stuff like that it's just them just doing this stuff man they could be idiotic with it. They could be sexual with it. They could be whatever. But it, it's just seeing them doing it. Now. Just, like, I don't know. Like, I just watch it. I was just watching this season. I just had this smile on my face. Because, yeah, show actually brings a smile to my face. Eh? The whole culture, the melting pot of New York, you know, all the races and figures and all that kind of stuff. You, you, you know, they put that on full display. And once again, it's just like, yeah, boy, you just like, you know, to them, it's just like New York is like the, the greatest place in the world now. But I really do yeah. love the fact that they, they had to kind of come to the, 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 the point that, or face the fact basically that, yeah, there is a bigger world outside of New York. So you can either stay and, you know, just have fun and live your life, but you're just going to be stuck in that one place. And yeah, eventually you have to grow up, you have to mature, you have to go out and see the world and meet new people and do new things. And that essentially is what um, this season here is about. So, I mean, not much more I could say about it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, if I were to give it a rating... Uh, decent four out of five. Um, I really thought at the end of the series very well. So yeah. if you're a fan of the show, if it was riding with 
if it was right, and we did it from season one, episode one, yeah, you, you, you definitely will check it out. Um, there's no way I could see a, a, a true fan the show heat in the, the final season. Or maybe they, the, the only regret I think they'll have is just that the series is done, but yeah, I mean, it had to happen. I mean, well, just to throw an example there. Uh, I don't know if you ever used to watch this, but remember Workaholics? Yeah, yeah. 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 I actually used to watch that. That was like the whole... To me, that was like the, the meal stoner equivalent of um of, of Broad City. And that's with three guys yeah, instead like, of two women. But I actually used yeah. to watch it. Like, it was dumb, like, stoner humor. But it was like my kind of dumb kind of humor. But even that show t- um, came to an end. I thought that they end that off, like, pretty strong, though, in my opinion. Pretty strong, you know what I mean? Um, really heartfelt as well, too. But still, once again, it's like, it's not the end. But it's just like, yeah, we had we to pack it up, man. We had to move on and... You know, um, acting Netflix shows that people didn't care about, like Game Over Man. You know, anybody remember that? No, I don't think so. Because, yeah. yeah, it was one of the worst movies of 2018. That's why I'm glad I didn't watch it. But um, as far as, you know, Glazer and Jacobson go, um, I really do want to see them act in, in, like, films together. Like, the two of them. Like, I know they, they do stuff on the side, right? Like, I think Alana did some voiceover stuff before. I think she was in a, in a comedy or two, I think. Uh, I can't right. remember which ones they were. Um, and I think Abby was in a drama quite recently. I can't remember right. what, it, what the title of it was, though. But yeah, I mean, they're doing the acting and stuff like that. And just offer their voices alone. And there's the range, especially Ilana. Yeah, I could see them, like, you know, pr- um, providing a voice for like an animated film or a TV show or whatnot. But yeah, I, 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 just swear, want to... I swear she voiced some a couple of weeks. I can't remember. But I swear that one of them animated movies she was in. Yeah, like. I, I like it should be in the tip of my tongue. Like I should know what the, the show is, for example, but I can't remember what it is for the life of me right now. I think it's one of them um we call it illumination animated films. I think it's one of those. Uh-huh. I swear I feel it's one of those. Could be, you know. Could be, could be. But then again, because I don't primarily watch illumination stuff. No no right. not saying that I hate this stuff. It's just oh gosh, everything is just minions, this minions that seem right. brand of comedy I just don't really care for. So moving on now, uh, now we're going to get into the magical world of Netflix now. So finally going to talk about Triple Frontier, which I finally got the chance to watch. Um, I knew you saw it a while back. Um, yeah. And to me, the selling point of this is the, the castness. A very, yes. very strong cast. Um, ben Affleck, uh, Oscar Isaac, uh, your yes. boy, Charlie Hunnam, or as you yeah. call him, Charlie Humdrum. Yeah. <laughs> um, Garrett Hedlund. Last time we right. saw him was in uh, Mudbound, one of our favorite Netflix releases right. of 2017, or was it 2018? I think it's 2017, right? right? And uh, Pedro Pascal, you that one guy yeah. who would make it in, in Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. So, um, just want to fill us in on what Triple Frontier is about. Uh, sure. So, basically, it's just these ex, well, what they were, ex Marines? Um, not That's, what they um, Delta Force actually. Delta more Force, Delta Force right. people. Yeah. Delta Force, right? So, ex special, ex special forces. Uh, the, you know, they used to kick ass in the day, but they used to make some money. And basically, what happens is that they kind of, um, I think is they want to rope, rope back Ben Affleck. Us guys, they want to rope back Ben Affleck for a job. Um, to basically collect a set of money from some drug lord type. And you know, you know, uh, Ben Affleck was the, the badass type who needed for the job, the, the rope and back in to come back. 
and you know things go south. You know that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you how things go south is interesting, but you know things go south, which is expected. And, right. Yeah. But so the, the, the the job it, actually the job uh, yeah, involves yeah. this um this this drug kingpin who who has like a a, a huge stash of money um in his jungle home i don't even want to call it a, a fortress but just this jungle home that he has so just basically these ex or former delta, um, delta force guys just sneaking into the bush um trying to avoid his yeah. guards going in get the money and get out before they get shot right yeah and yeah um well it's our reason why it's called triple frontier because it's i think on the border of three countries all at once yes, and yes. they could if they not if they're not careful, you could like really fuck around and get rub out real easy, and nobody will care because you're in the wrong country. They wasn't supposed to be there anyway. Uh, That's right. Yeah, right. correct, uh, correct. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. Um, yeah. So it's a lot of extradition and um, g- general geopolitics that makes it work. Right. Um, yeah. All right. So I'll just share my my thoughts on this. Um, won't be long because honestly, there isn't really much to say. Uh, first yeah. off. What really makes the film work is the actors themselves. Um, I thought that they were excellent, and it's not just because they like you know um, they 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 were in the the um, the E class basically group, right? So I mean, well, kind of like an Oscar is a, I mean, you can expect that they will they will, they will, they will pull some um, sort of performances, and yeah, for the most part, everybody does. Um, even Charlie Hunnam as well. At first, I thought that he was just going to be the side character, but actually, no, because he's in the poster. Uh, Garrett Hedlund was was decent as well, um, and Pedro Pascal was, was decent as well. But I, I kind of felt that they were kind of him and the two of them and Charlie. I felt were kind of overshadowed by Ben and Oscar just because they in the big leagues, basically. You know what I mean? And the others just like you know, B class. You know what I mean? But everybody pretty much was was, was solid. Um, as far as acting goes. Uh, you were gonna say about the actors? Yeah, I, I, th- that's the thing. I, I thought this almost entirely relied on its star power because to me it was just a pretty, you know, forgettable script. Um, that, that's the problem with this. Yeah. Right. So I was like, okay, well, that's the only thing that good. Like, why all these big stars sign up for this? I, they, they owe somebody some money. They, they lost a bet or something. I, it's unclear. <laughs> to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you're actually right though. Um, that, that is the downfall with this, right? Because. Like I get, like I, I understand what they were going for. Like it's not supposed to be a generic um military based action thriller, right? Like it kinda starts off like that, kinda on the dramatic so, end and then um kinda, you know, have a little action scene and then afterwards the plan is laid out. And what one thing I thought was pretty interesting is how it kinda plays out similar to a heist film. So it's these guys and we're gonna rob this guy, you know, we're gonna rob the big bad guy basically and you know, this is the plan, this is the layout, we have to do all this kind of stuff, and we have an informant inside, and all that kind of stuff, right? And they do the job, okay, they get the money, alright, but you have like an hour and 50 minutes left, right? And this is basically a two-hour film, right? So where are yeah. we going to go from here? Are uh, the bad guys going to chase them? Kind of. But then you have this second arc, basically, where it starts off with them in a helicopter, and then it ends with them in the mountains, trying to survive, um, and Honestly, I felt that the, the, the story just kind of slowed down. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just it's like, all right, now we have to get out from this this mountainous area and then we have to get onto this boat or whatnot just to escape, you know, the, the um, just to escape the bad guys and whatnot. So, yeah, that second act really dragged, in my opinion, you know? 
And I think the the issue basically is because yeah, you're right. The, the cast involved now. You've seen these guys big and bold. I didn't watch a trailer for this at all, right? So, but I would assume that if I watch a trailer, they would hype this thing as having a lot of action. But then you have this this um, second act where hardly anything does happen, right? So for people going and expecting tons of action, you'll be disappointed by this, right? I I, I get, like I understand. You don't want to play the whole okay action, action, action scene. That's that's fine. You want it to be a little bit more character beats okay you want it to be a little bit more different okay but you could have kept the audience's interest up now you know what i mean instead of just having that one long drawn out uh, moment that one long drawn out act that just kept going in my opinion and so they kind of picked up near the end but there wasn't really much going on there in the end and to me that's like the big problem though it's just that balance between action and drama like to me there was hard there wasn't even enough action in the show and it's two hours like, you could yeah. put in a couple more, not even three, but just a couple more action scenes somewhere in the middle and to lead into the third act. But it's just, okay, a little bit of action here, character moments there, a lot of character moments there, and that's it. The music I thought was 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 decent, um, nothing too spectacular. It's done by this guy who calls himself Disasterpiece. This is actually yeah. the first time I hear about him, but, you know, his music was pretty serviceable, I would say. And yeah, I mean, really and truly, what what makes the, sh- the film work is just the, the 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 cast themselves, the the well, the two big leads and the the three supporting actors. Basically, those are the five that really make the show work. Just their on screen presence, their chemistry, because they really have great chemistry together, and you know, just you know, just just seeing them on screen doing what they do. But yeah, um, it really needed to figure out exactly what it was trying to be, if it was like an action, a thriller, a drama, that kind of stuff. Um, and then we would have had a much better film. But, I mean, it is what it is. Yes? Uh, unless you have anything else to say, we could jump into rating one time. Yeah, no, not really. Um, yeah. yeah, yes, I did. Uh, it's a, a decent enough character piece, you know, with Ben Affleck and he, mo- I'm sorry, his daughter and... You know, all of that moving on stuff from the military and, and you know, they get into a little bit of post-traumatic stresses, all that stuff a little bit. But, yeah, nothing really to write to them about a fine because with the script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but be, I think, all right, so before I get to read it, I'm wondering now if, all right, so it being on Netflix, right, even though you have guys like them abroad, um, on, on, on board, sorry. Like, I'm not saying that this was some film that was shelved um, you know, for years, they just decided, hey, well, let's put it out on Netflix. I'm not seeing it like that, but the script itself kind of has a kind of feel to it, like, you know, they, they know that if they were to make it, it probably would have bombed or probably wouldn't have made that much money in the box office. But, yeah. you know, you, you, you take the safe route, they put it on Netflix, but you still need a reason for people to watch it. So, hey, I, I get Ben Affleck and I get Oscar Isaac, you know what I mean? Like the others, Charlie Hunnam and Garrett and Pedro, cool, they, they could be there, but the sell though is just Ben and Oscar being Oscar. there. You, you kind of go, you, you have no choice but to expect something better, and then you kind of get something a little bit admittedly mediocre. So I don't know, just kind of wondering exactly how or what went down with the film being the way it was, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, to me, there's, there's a guy version of Bird Box, except they didn't hype it anywhere near as much as Bird Box. You know, that's, that's actually a good point, too. Yeah, pretty much. It doesn't hype it as much. But, yeah, it's the same thing. It's like, oh, here's these big stars in this project that's utterly mediocre. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. You're right. So, I don't know. Netflix had to be careful with this, though, because people actually, 
decided not to not to go and see movies in cinemas. Like, hey, why why need to go and see this movie when hey right. Ben Affleck and Oscar Isaac's in this Netflix movie, right? And then you watch it's like, eh, whatever. So <laughs> for me, rated wise, I would give this uh, lighter decent three out of five. It was it was alright. It was alright. Um, if you honestly have nothing to do and you're just curious to see what it's about, you find the poster kind of cool. Yeah, watch it. But I honestly don't see myself or I imagine for you watching this film. Um, I don't think you'll remember this this film any in, in, in a hurry. But yeah, you know, like I say, if you're curious, give it a look. I mean, have some good things about it. But I don't know, that, that, that story just needed some fine-tuning. And yeah, it just could have been a lot better, just given the talented cast um, on screen. Uh, Ricardo, what, what's your rating? Yeah, it was five out of ten. I was just this came and went for me. Um, you know, just it's one of those that again, if it wasn't for the stars, I would have been like not even mentioning it or talking about it at all. But it's like, hey, why these big stars come in this movie? You know, and then when they see it, it's like, oh, what battle they lost. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Nothing really to see or think about or anything like that. It's like it was all right, script. But you know, for for again for the talent involved, it was like, oh, could I could I get better than this? Whatever. And keeping up with that momentum, unfortunately, now you have to get to the highwaymen. Um, okay. And the sell with this is the two leads that are on board. Um, that will be veteran actors Kevin Costner and Woody Harrison. Like yes. I know, I know Costner like are pretty old right now, but like I don't, I still, I don't, I still don't want to put Woody Harrison in that old man, you know, that old actor yeah. category mm-hmm. as yet. Like, I know he's okay. old, but he's not, he not as old as Kevin Costner. That's my point. That's what I want to say. Yeah, well, Kevin Costner do big sins, man, as to you. What he do was, I can't remember anything. I can't remember neither. I know he was, he was in something. I think it was like a thriller or something. But I don't know. I, I just haven't been following his, um, like, a, because I'm not a big fan of him, to be honest. Like, like back in the 80s, 90s, yeah, you could not escape his name. But, like, in the 2000s and stuff, it's like, uh, whatever. Uh, Woody Harrison, however, I find like his career has just been like skyrocketing. Uh, I think it's after No Country for Old Men, you know, like back in the nineties was just stuff like what uh, white men can't jump, money tree yeah. and stuff like that. He was just like the the kind of oh he's the comedic likable guy, you know what I mean? And now as he started doing these big dramatic roles, like well, would you know, man, step up, you know? What I mean? Even though I, I loved him in in Zombieland, right? Still one of my favorite uh, movies, and him, but yeah. Uh, this one, unlike um, Triple Frontier, is based on a true story. Uh, it centers on the two Texas Rangers. The name, the name, sorry, are Frank Hema and Mi- uh, Manny Galt. And basically, yeah. they were these two Texas Rangers who were hired, basically. Well, they, sorry, not hired. They were the guys who went after um, the infamous Bonnie and Clyde uh, yeah. back in the early 30s, right? And if you know your history, if you know the whole story behind Bonnie and Clyde, you'll understand why the title is what it is, right? So, um, yeah, it's basically about these two old, well, former Texas Rangers. You know, they they, they kind of washed up. They do any the whole family thing now. they not as, you know, spry as they used to be back in the days, even yeah. right down to just, you know, firing the guns. They're all sloppy at it, you know. Usual old man stuff, right? Yeah, but because of the whole crime spree with uh, Bonnie Parker and Clyde Barrow, you know, well, it kind of starts off with uh, Kevin Costner basically having to leave his wife to go on this manhunt, right? So, um, 
what happens is that uh, Katy Beats, uh, who plays uh, Miriam um, Ferguson, a.k.a. Ma Ferguson, right? She was the first female governor of Texas, right? So basically, she kind of issues this kind of manhunt against um, against the against the two of them, right? Yeah. And in the process, it's just like, well, yeah, I'm a former partner, um, Manny Galt, but I ain't really sure what it is he up to. But through some circumstances, they do meet each other again. And it's like, well, cool, we got to team up, we got to work together to to do this. And uh, like I said before, you know, they're all they kind of you know grumpy. They don't really like each other that much, but they are committed to this job. And yeah, they pretty much do what they have to do. So, jumping into the review one time. So, first, the good. Um, this should come as no surprise. Yeah, two leads are, are, are solid. I mean, Kevin Costner, Woody Harrison work well together. They're really great together. Um, for the life of me, I don't think they ever worked in a movie together. I could be wrong. I'm kind of not too familiar with all the films in both of their uh, filmographies now. But I would assume that this is the first time they ever worked together. And you, you, you kind of wonder why this didn't happen earlier. In their careers, right. like when they were right. much younger, you know. Yeah, well, those scripts that could have come out long time because when was the last time he do? He did what? Um, Kevin Costner did Untouchables, right? So I think you know we'd have gotten something since then, or something yes, around that yes, time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I actually surprised when I was thinking about this. Yeah, surprised we didn't get this in a while. So okay. Yeah, but but not really so much about the 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 story itself, but just the two of them together on film on screen. It's like. This could happen like ages ago, but it just yeah. never happened, right? But yeah, uh, they do have solid um, chemistry together. You know the way they well, and they do play it all the exactly the way you play it. Um, you expect two old guys trying to get back into the game. Um, you know what to get? Well, you have the, the people who kind of look at them and kind of like you're old, and you know we kind of doing this job um, already. You know the the, the federal agents and stuff like that. You know, like we don't need all the help, but it's like. No, we, we, we stick into this job. This is what we're going to do. Support the cast, I thought, was pretty solid as well. Um, I saw a couple of faces I didn't expect. That I didn't think was going to be in the show. Like, for one thing, I saw William Sadler. Didn't expect to see yeah. him, him and that. I was like, okay, he in this too? Okay. And like I said, Kathy Bates is in it as well. Although, unfortunately, I felt that they kind of underutilized her, um, not her character as such, but just her herself. Because, yeah, she comes in, she's solid, but she's only in the film for like, what, three, four times in the movie? And right. it just spread out apart so unevenly. It's just like there's even a, a point where you'll actually forget Sheeny Show. You know? But I mean, it's Oscar winner Katy Bates. They could have done a little bit more with her character. Not saying that she should be front and center, but could have done more with her, with her, with her, you know what I mean? Because she's just such a great actress, right? Even when she's on TV, you know, um, yeah, she's just, she's just great. You know what I mean? She's always great. Uh, the story pretty much is straightforward. Um, it's just, you know, it's, a typical detective show um, um, story basically is these guys on the hunt picking up clues, figuring out what's going on. Um, of course, they would miss when Bonnie and Clyde actually, you know, perform, uh, do some kind of cr- commit some kind of crime, kill someone. They'll always come kind of come in a little bit late, but they'll pick up on certain things that they're doing, you know, and they'll figure, okay, this is where they're gonna go next. Um, I do like the fact that they really stop to kind of highlight the fact that they were. Primarily folk heroes, right? Or well, I shouldn't say folk heroes, but celebrities, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. they were on this whole Robin Hood kind of thing, you know what I mean? Robin for the rich to kind of give to the poor, quote unquote, you know what I mean? So, you know, they, they, they become that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, basically. But that's, yeah, that's yeah. the bare fact that it was just these, these, um, not strangers, um, these poor people, these f- poor folk 
doing what they can to get by, even if it means shooting people in the face and whatnot, right? That's what they do. And that that's why the, the people, uh, especially in Texas, was real looking up to them, right? Um, I love that there was a moment where Kevin Costa was kind of looking at them like, you know, why would you do that? They, they are, you know, they're criminals. You know what I mean? Why, why, are you worship, why, why are they worshipping these criminals for? It makes no sense. And that kind of fuels him to get these guys, right? Um, and the subject of, of Bonnie and Clyde themselves, this is one disappointment, but I don't know, it's like, I understand it as being like a plot device. I know it has been done in other films. can't remember what those films are, but I know it's like this kind of creative choice, but I, I wish that they didn't do it here. That is, because it's not about Bonnie and Clyde so much, right? Because they're in the background there, there's the guys are just on the run, and um, Costner and Harris's characters trying to hunt them. You don't see them, basically. You hardly see them. So if you see them perform a crime, it's just like off-screen, or maybe the camera will be like a short distance away from what's going on, but you won't see their faces. You won't, the camera won't be up in front of them, except for like a few moments now. So it's almost like they're just there, but they're not like being highlighted. You're not hearing them talk. You're not really hearing them talk amongst themselves and whatnot. They're just there. You know, they're just a figure that these that our heroes trying to hunt down. I know it's been done before in other shows, but I just felt like I mean it's Bonnie and Clyde. Like I'm not saying yeah. stop the show to have them talk over, you know, by a campfire about their lives and stuff. But don't have them, you know, be in the film and not be in the film in um in, in um in that way, you know what I mean? If 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 I'm making sense. It, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I really wish that they could have just shown a little bit more of them, you know, not just have them, you know, basically have the camera be behind them or, you know, uh, like a wide shot of the car, but you're not seeing them all that properly, that kind of thing. So it's almost like we we more following the heroes than we, you know, than the villains. You're not seeing much of the villains themselves. Like, I get it's a creative choice, but it just kind of took me out of the show a lot. Uh, also, the runtime, it's uh, pretty long. It's like about two hours and ten minutes, roughly. Uh, felt that it could have shaved off at least a ten minutes, right? And, uh, and in this case, you know, the dramatic moments were because, yeah, primarily this is more of a crime drama than an actual kind of, you know, action film, you know? There's, there is action, but not a lot of action. There's more about the character moments. It's more about the, you know, what's going on, the story and all that kind of stuff. And I love how the story built, but... There were a few moments that they drag. I felt that they could have cut certain parts out just to, you know, just to even the pace out a little bit more. Now. Um, and what, well, oddly enough, when I was watching this, I was getting like, well, basically, the director, for, the director is John Lee Hancock, right? And um, I felt that, not to say that he did a terrible job, I thought that he did a great job here, but because they go in for the whole old man routine basically something like how uh you know clint eastwood movies would be like his stuff now like the mule for example it has that kind of slow kind of pace you know we it take it a time you know what i mean it's not moving at any quick speed or anything like that it just take it a time slowly building the story up this is something that i picture in somebody like clint eastwood making a film like this because this is right up his alley is alina that whole slow yeah. piece kind of vibe the leads, the main characters being old men, you know, mean that kind of stuff. I know um, uh, Clint Eastwood worked with uh, Kevin um, Custer before in what is a perfect will? I think that was the name of it. Yeah, a perfect will. I'm not too sure about Woody Harrison. I don't think they ever worked together, but yeah, 
this film would have yeah this film would have um, been the right fit for him and I think that if his name was, was on it alone that would have gotten like yeah not only would have would it have been in theaters but people would actually go to see it just because you have three big names instead of just two you know what I mean so it being on Netflix yeah people will I mean it's there so people could go and see it but imagine some people just looking at the, the two leads like uh eh, I want to watch them old guys, really. You know what I mean? I want to watch them old farts. You know, we this period piece and Bonnie and Clyde all kinds of that kind of boring. You know what I mean? So, yes. The point is that this will really cater to not just like film nudes, but more, you know, older heads, the older film viewers, basically. Um, and don't imagine youngsters watching this film at all, even though it is a rated R film. But I don't imagine like you know millennials. Or, sorry. Not so much millennials. I don't imagine like Generation Y or God forbid Generation Z's, you know, watching this film. They'll find this thing to be slow and boring and just not care about it at all. But I mean, it is good for what it is. It doesn't really break new grounds. It's not really doing anything unique and different and mind blowing, but it's serviceable enough. So oddly enough, I actually preferred this just a little smidge bit more than um than Triple Frontier. And that's seen a lot of uh, mainly yeah. because of the leads and because the story I'm familiar with and because it has that kind of old man kind of vibe to it, I could rule with it. But really, it didn't need to be that long. Um, they really could have cut out like a little 10 minutes here or there. And I wish that we got to see Bonnie, Bonnie and Clyde, like more of them in the actual film. Instead of just them either off screen or in the background or, you know, a short distance away from the camera. You know, you're not even seeing their faces properly, you know what I mean? Like, I know the story is not about them, but they're such big, large and life figures. It kind of makes it. It kind of doesn't make sense to just have them be way far off from you know the the, the viewers' eyes. Basically, that's that's really I'll say. So uh, as far as rating goes, um, I guess it's a decent tree, man. This this was alright as well. You know what I mean? Um, nothing too mind blowing, nothing too unique, but it's serviceable. It's entertaining enough, but you had to go in knowing what to expect. If you like them kind of slow burn character pieces with likable characters and yes, old people and whatnot. But it is about a really fascinating story. You know, the whole Bonnie and Clyde thing, that's just such a fascinating story. You know, Americans just love, you know, that whole lovers on your run thing. You know, you've seen that replicated time and time again. And um, like, you know, just, just seeing that story, but from the flip side of it. From the people hunting them down. I thought that was pretty interesting. But still, it's Bonnie and Clyde. You know, it, at least show them, at least show them a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, it's not much more I could say. It's good, it's decent enough. But I don't see myself watching this again in a hurry. Uh, if this did show in theaters, it may not have made as much money. I, I, I think it would have it probably wouldn't have bombed, but it wouldn't have made that much money now. But I think that if it had like a big name as a director, like say a Clint Eastwood, um, yeah, people would have, would have go and see this film instantly, you know. But on Netflix, I mean, it's there, so... And it's Kevin Costner and Woody Harrison that's proven how great um, they are as actors, right? Still, even though they are at a certain age. But, yeah, if that's your sole reason to watch it, then, yeah, go check it out, man. You, you, you will like it.
Right. So closing things off now. Us, right? Yeah. Let me talk about us. <laughs> All right. So um, this is the second uh, feature film from Jordan Peele. I'll just make this quick joke here before I forget. Uh, the last episode of Arrow that aired, um, a character, I'm not going to say who, kind of mentions a John Peel marathon. So, <laughs> so I don't know. So, that's thinking about that for a second. So, let's imagine. That's how John. Yeah, that's how John. Yeah, and it's in the future, of course, right? Yeah, so, Jordan, of course, started off so strong with, um, with Get Out, right? And we'll talk about whether Get Out is better than Us or not, right? We'll talk about that. Yeah. But now he comes again with Us, and, you know, the talk is that he is going to stay within the horror genre. So, you know, I, I, I am instantly seeing him as, like, the new, you know, the, the, the comparisons they're going to see instantly is, like, he's the new Alfred Hitchcock, you know? But for our time, right. they're going to say he's the new M. Night Shyamalan, which kind of worries me because, you know, how strong M. Night start off with. And then he put yes. some like you know glass, you know, which we reviewed and we we kind of hated, you know. But yeah, glass was really disappointed. But yeah, I mean, I am so glad for for Jordan Peele. I'm glad that he was able to make that smooth transition from being just this comic actor to being a full fledged director, just really making great films. You know what I mean? And not just great films in terms of the genre, but just challenging, thought provoking films. And I really thought that he really hit the whole thought-provoking and challenging um, kneels on the head with, um, with, with us. But um, yeah, I do see him really making more films. I mean, that's going to say that all of them are going to be masterpieces. I can't say that right now, but I doubt that they will be. But I want them to be, you know, as good, if not as great, as the previous film. And last thing I'll say before uh, well, you get to what the synopsis is, uh, even though I didn't really care about it that much, but I just want to talk about it briefly. The whole talk that he said with a recent interview where he's not going to cast um, a white lead in his films. You know, people were like, oh, you know, Jordan's racist and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah. I mean, given the history of, of Hollywood and given what he was able to do, not just with Get Out, but particularly with um, with us, having, you know, his the leads in this film be black, you know, be African-Americans. Yeah. I understand where he's coming from, you know? Yeah, yeah, until, until I understand the full quote is like it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, what you say now. Um, it's one of those things that people take kind of take slightly out of context. Um, but whatever, I didn't, this wasn't nothing to think about. It wasn't interesting. What you say there? Yeah, same here too. Like I just saw an article or two and then just turned to more articles because people just thought that you know, he was racist. I was like, come on, really? Like, really? That's, that's how you could misinterpret what he might say? Like, come on. But anyway, but us is here at long last. We were excited for this ever since um, the first trailer came out. Um, especially with the use of um, Looney's um, I Got Five on it. And, yeah. you know, well, yeah, more people are actually going to check out their music, myself included, which is great for them. Because I always thought that they were like one of the more underrated uh, West Coast um, rap duos of the 90s. Eh? So I'm just glad that people are actually checking out their music now. I hope their albums as well too not just that one song that kind of just skyrocketed them to fame you know what i mean but yeah uh us what is us about ricardo right so basically sometime in the mid 80s 1986 to be certain um this girl had a traumatic experience something that she witnessed and is implied 
it can affect her for the rest of her life. And now she kind of, um, well, that thing has kind of come back and is in the form of some kind of strange doppelganger. And they have to deal with that. All right. I, I, I actually like how straightforward and, um, and spoiler-free and vague um, that, that, that review was. Well, sorry, that synopsis was. I, I, I learned from you. I learned how, how you do that. Uh, so I will start off by with the comparison. Um, you know, a lot of people have been asking this question. Is us better than Get Out? I would say yes and no. Um, yeah, yes, this one is it, a, it, this one, it, this one is a thinker. Yeah, yeah it, exactly, exactly. That that's all. See with the yes, yes. Well, I, of, yeah, while yeah. while while Get Out was straightforward, and yeah. you got well, you got the questions answered. And it's just a matter you kind of sitting on thinking, yeah, now I see how this fits and whatnot. Us kind of leaves, has a lot of, um, leaves a lot of things open-ended, you know, so it's, you, you have to think about it. And for some people, like um, case in point, a friend, well, one of my friends, well, who, well, we went to see the show yesterday at was recording, and he came yeah. out rather disappointed. He was confused by it. He, he figured that the movie would have answered the questions because there's a lot of questions being asked here. And there's a lot of weirdness. There's a lot of absurdity going on. So, yeah, you know, for me, on for me personally, I was hoping that the show would have answered these questions. Like, there's a lot of absurd stuff going on. So, please, John Peel, answer the question. Why? What? What is going on? What is going on? And he just kind of says, well... I'll answer some of, the, some of your questions, but the others, you had to think about it, right? And I got that. I, I really, um, 100% with that, I, I love the, that aspect of the movie. Um, yeah. But I still think that Get Out is the better of the two, not just because the questions right. that are being raised are answered, but because it just touch on this nerve of race and just, you know, it touch on just these social issues. And while here, it was just your basic kind of visceral horror film you know it, it really harkens back to old school horror films which is something i really right. genuinely loved about this and sci-fi films which i'll talk about later on but um i was expecting some i was expecting a social message or two there is yeah. but that's more on the interpretive side of things you know you can interpret right. it as oh it's about class and social you know social class and whatnot but yeah, it well as open to interpretation, so it wasn't like, oh, well, that's really what the show is about. This, if you think that's what it's about, then I guess that's what it is. For, but for me, I felt that it could have touched on something that's going on in our society. And because I don't know, like, with, with how Get Out was, I figured that this was going to be, you know, John Peel's slant, like he was going to be Spike Lee in a way, but instead of like hammering certain points over your head, he's going to use the genre of horror to, to do that for him, you know, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. is is um is with Spike Lee meets Rod Sullivan, right? You, you thought he was yes, getting correct, that, but no. Yeah, um, but you didn't really yeah. get that with, with us though. Um, and that right. was a slight letdown for me. You know, that's why I wouldn't say that. You know, us is way better than than Get Out. No, no. Yeah. Um, I agree with you mostly because again, it only really had one question I would have liked answered, and it didn't answer that. At least as far as I know, it didn't answer that. I mean, somebody probably have. Probably pick up the only answer with some detail or something that they are missing the story, watching it over. Um, but this one is, as I say, is a thinker. It's, I could see somebody not liking it, not like outright hating it in some ways. Um, yeah, 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 me too, me too. Yeah, but I, I, I enjoyed it for what it was, and well, mostly because of the, the, the doppelgangers and what they were seeing and talking about in particular. 
Um, the yes. final two scenes, not that surprising. It's like, all right, okay, that was the thing. It was not a particularly interesting twist. It's it, one was, of those yeah, big... it wasn't as strong as, as I, I was expected it to be. Like, I, I wanted right. that twist to just knock me off my seat. I'd be like, oh, my yeah. God. But then it just right. kind of happens like, okay, okay. Uh, all right. It's, uh. one of those, it's, what you call, it's what you call bingo twist. You know, it, it ah, just falls within, yeah. it falls, it falls within the bingo, bingo block of what you expect now. Right. Nothing, nothing right. surprising, or interesting, or and not executed particularly special either. Um, that's it. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really see anything thinking about it. Has some good kills in this. Um, again, the world building of it is what they should have really made the effort to answer. Um, why, you know, certain well, basically one particular entity involved um, is doing what it's doing, and why did did they do this? It wasn't yes, particularly yes. clear what, what was the connection um, to me, um, but yeah, they, they, I don't know. I could have, somebody had a, somebody already had to do it. What happens? I I avoided all of the discussions and and quote unquote um, spoiler discussions involved. You know, throughout the week, we got to know. I want to know what was going on, but I couldn't. Um, so I couldn't make it sense. I suppose I'll look back, go back and look back. What going on? Why? Why this thing happened? Um, yeah. and somebody might have dropped an idea and say, okay, I might, okay, I could see what they're talking about or whatever it is. But yeah, I wanted something, I wanted some more clear answers and I didn't really get that. And that, I suppose with a, a couple extra viewings, I might increase the story a little better. Uh, but it was good for what it was. I mean, I, I was fine with it. I didn't really have any big disappointment. I thought, oh, this is some real, ex, um, let's call this existential bullshit kind of thing. No, not really. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was fine. There's that right. again. I think I think you make the joke. Uh, so I was scrolling on, online, and you say, "Yeah, this is the pilot for John Hughes Twilight Moon." Yeah, like so this. This literally is like the the, the should have been the season premiere Twilight Zone, John. Right, right. Yeah, nice feel like. yeah you're right. Yeah, because uh, for those who still kind of wondering if John Peel kind of just trying way too hard, you know, be like if he just be a little bit too over ambitious with this whole Twilight Zone thing. Um, yeah, look 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 at us. Us kind of shows right. that. Yeah, the man really want to be the next Rod Solinger, like for real, right. for real. Yeah. I know. And if we, we could kind of, we could kind of since Twilight Zone's premieres tomorrow. By the time it's recorded, yes, it is. The time is recorded. Um, give give a quick comment. The, uh, yeah, I think the first episode, or I think it's two episodes we're supposed to get, but I know one is the classic Nightmare at um, Twenty Thousand Feet. Right. Okay. So they're remaking that then. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay. and I'm really excited for that because to me that is one of the the best um, stories. I would well, say one of the most enjoyable Twilight Zone episodes, like Barnum. Um, I love yeah. when they remade it for the Twilight Zone movie. Um, yes. I love the original one, of course, the design yeah. of the creature, that's all I'll say. But I'm really curious to see how they play that out um, in this one here. Um, with right. this, you know, season premiere. And before I forget, uh, yes, we will check it out and we will review it in our next episode. Yeah, no, I just, I just, before we continue, I just a quick commentary on just the context of Twilight Zone in today's world. Um, the, th- the thing is, we haven't really had a, a, a strong face in the Twilight Zone paradigm now. Because last time, the last host was who? Um, what do you call him? This fellow, Shuri, uh, Zuri from Black Panther, what was his name? Um, oh, well, um, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, no, well, well, Forrest Whitaker, right? All right, so... the, right. But but the thing is, Forrest Whitaker is not a writer, and you know we haven't had someone on the like Rod Sillen. Rod Sillen was writer and the host. Yes. So yes. I want to see if they could, you know, we could John Peel could fill that role 
and have that 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 celebrity hype going into it. Um, uh, yeah, we'll see. It's interesting to see how that plays itself out. I'm not sure how yeah. this gonna work as a show. Here's one of the big big red flags of the show. Um, it kind of had the same problem that Star Trek Discovery has, which is CBS All Access. Yeah, why yo? Why we still had to wait a week for these episodes? Like, I don't know. So, so dummy, right? The little detour here. All right, CBS All Access. You you can only watch these shows here, right? So why like this and you know the DC platform where Titans and Doom Patrol and Young Justice are right are on, right? Why we still had to wait weekly for these episodes though? Yeah, dumb. Like, you, you, you would think, like, with Netflix being what it is, you could get to see all these episodes one time. But no, I, I still had to wait a week. So, what's the point of CBS All Access then? Yeah, it, it kind of generally... The general point is just, just to get, get some extra extra sub dollars yeah. from you. And right, now CBS, and right now, CBS have a lot of crap on their schedule. Like, a lot of crap. They have some... Um, some sort of American Gladiators, kind of like a physical endurance kind of show. <laughs> you know what I mean? And what is the big sell with it, boy? Um, LeBron James hosting it and all that kind of stuff. And I like, well, you, you could have just take that out and put Twilight Zone, though. Like, I mean, yeah. come on. Just, just just see. Just see. You know what I mean? It, it, had, it had nothing working for it. Um, you know, CBS All Access really only had Star Trek Discovery. And even that is a... Sh- even that you can see people was like, well, we really like Star Trek Discovery anyway. Or it had a bunch of like it had no big set of people really clamoring for the show. Like I generally like can defend the show, but like I see a lot of people just not going out of the way for all access. Anyway, in, in the case of Discovery is only really a one day ahead, which is much more intelligent from Netflix. Um, and yeah, they should kind of do the same thing from for Twilight Zone. If they're doing this weekly twill shit, cut out. That won't work. Stop it. Get some help. PBS All Access not worth it. Thank um, you. Thank you. It's only yeah. It's only hamstring issue. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, um, I was gonna say about the about um just quickly about the Twilight Zone thing. So I wasn't familiar with the 80s Twilight Zone. I know that well. That was the one that I yeah. that was the first time I ever saw ever heard of the term Twilight Zone, right? But when sci-fi came into the play, and you know there was the 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 the, the well 1959 series go on. That was the one that I I attached to. So I didn't really care for the yeah. 80s one, but. Just uh, I can't remember. Was there? I think there was one in the two thousands, right? But was that the one that yeah. Forrest Whitaker narrated, or was it the one in the eighties? No, no, that's the one in the two thousands. The two thousands was his his version. That that just ended off. It started right a couple of years after Outer Limits ended in the nineties. Right, Outer right. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, the nineties one. Mm-hmm. Right, but nineties Outer Limits was a was a big hit at least amongst nerds and sci fi fans. But this this Twilight Zone just kind of came and went. It just kind of fell flat. And yeah, I'll just argue because they just they had no interest in original stories, and they remake all the stuff in all the worst ways. That is one of the big problems with with, with Twilight Zone is that look, have some classic stories, and I have no problem with you. Some truly classic, timeless stories you could remake or at least reboot or re-pull for a modern time. But yes. really, what you should try to do is come up with some really original stuff, not try to remake too many stories. Yeah. Um, and this is this is why you know John Peel. Being, you know, well, producer and narrator and, well, hopefully writer for this makes a lot of sense, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So, so get it back to, to, the, to the show here, right? So, um, good thing with this, uh, as, as I expected, there's, there's lots, there's a ton of great in this, right? So, first of the cast, um, of course, Lupita Nyong'o is fantastic yeah. in this. Uh, 
Now, I decided the genre of horror, and, you know, well, with her in particular, because she has to play dual roles, right? There are a few moments where, like, both the good side and the bad side would have these, like, facial um, features, like, these facial stuff that she's doing, and then also this kind of stuff that she says, especially the, the evil doppelganger, um, whose, whose name is Red, by the way. It kind of comes off a little on the absurd side, but, you know, it's it's horror. It's going for that whole shock thingness. So I'll let that slide. Just a few moments. But other than that, though, her performance, I would say, is Oscar Woody. I would I would say it equals that of, um, uh, oh gosh, Tony Collette from Hereditary. Right, and right, right. It's, it's really sad, though, that, you know, that actors and actresses who star in horror films don't even get nominated for Oscars. Like, I don't think that's ever happened well, I guess with the exception of Silence of the Lambs, but that's more thriller than horror. But I talk about like modern horror, you know what I mean? Um, and just so much that they have to do emotionally, so much that they have to convey with the face and the, the you know, just the body and stuff like that. And that is what uh, Lupita did. And she just like knocked it out of the park, though. I thought that, yeah, she was she was near perfect in my opinion. Um, Winston Duke. <laughs> I get that you... he was the comical relief, but. Yeah, I, I it, like took, it. it took a while for me to get this character. I felt that I like he was too goofy, and it was goofy for the sake of being goofy. But like, there's moments where when things get intense, like when the doppelgangers show up and they attack, and he would do things, and you're like wondering, bro, like I, I know you're not like the the biggest baddest guy on the block, dread, but I sub like okay, you like slight spoiler, you get you get hit in the you get hit in the um the, the leg, right? And you did like oh. Oh my god, yeah. oh I like you, you, you kinda like drag yourself a little bit quicker to get to the next point to try to escape though. No, you're just like no, no, you know. But I'll talk about those moments in a bit, right? But I thought that yeah, performance wise he was great. Like in terms of just on screen presence, he was great. It's just that yeah, I understand he's a comic relief, but it was slightly on the goofy end, but I get that's his character, you know what I mean? So, you know, and points for the strong character development as well. Okay, yeah, he's just the goofy nerdy guy who married and you know had two kids, right? Yeah. Uh, he'll crack a steel joker too. He'll come in a little bit awkward, you know, when it comes he's to like a conversation. He's that type of character, right? And that will make him relatable I, to me. In I my think opinion. the problem is that I think the problem is that he he yeah I don't think he was that good because he, again the idea was that he's, he's just goofy dad, right? You know, dad with the dad jokes and dad in the top. But yeah, that, just, you're exactly that at the top. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't, I don't um, I didn't, I don't think he particularly was engaging for me enough. And it, well, because he wasn't the main character, it didn't really matter, I suppose. But yeah, I, yeah. I, thought, I didn't think he was, I wasn't that particularly impressed with his performance in this. Yeah, and one other gripe that, gripe that I have with him is that you know you're the dad, you you're not just the breadwinner, but you had a you had to protect you had to protect your family, trend. But there were moments no. where it just kind of felt like he would just like just you know drop the ball or or say slight spoiler drop the bat one too many times. Right. You know? right yeah. It's just like, bro, like come on, Jed, step it up, man, step up, do something. You know what I mean? And yeah. Yeah. oftentimes he does, but it's really to save his own skin and get back to the family. That's what it really is. It's all about saving his skin and get to the family, not the other way around, basically, right? Um. I thought that the the kids, uh, the other son and daughter, I thought that they were they were decent. They were they were surprisingly really good, especially Gil. Um, I think this is like first time performances by them. The boy took a little while for me to get into because um, he's not special, but like he's very introverted, um, yeah. and there's something slightly off with him, which is yeah, I, I, like I, I about the show. Right. This again. This is another question that they could kind of answer, which is why you know, why he acted like that? Yeah. 
Well, not so much, but he... Well, okay, so there's a slight spoiler, but he was... Well, everybody has a doppelganger called the Tethered, right? Yes. And it's this whole idea of, quote-unquote, you know, um, one soul, two bodies, right? That's kind of the working paradigm of what's going on here. But the thing is, he seemed to be the most connected to his Tethered. Um, yes, you're right, you're right. And he never really explained why. Explain um, why or um, and it kind of hint that that well, the real kid, the real boy, um, yeah, is kind of like a social, um, kind of awkward. He, he, he's he's well, I, he's yeah, kind of a social outcast. So he's rather I, awkward I when he's around people right. and stuff like that. But well, I thought he was going for something kind of he kind of on the autistic spectrum kind of thing. I thought he was going for that, or that was a character. Yeah. Um, but I didn't read into it too much because you know you could say autistic, but it's not really autistic. It's just that people are just introverted and just. He didn't really care, get himself yet. And then they have genuine diagnosis of autism. But I really thought that was what he was going for. But no, no, really get He just seemed to be just introverted. So, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but how they work in the connection between him and his doppelganger was pretty interesting, though, compared to the others. Um, all I would say, though, the, the one that has the most interest, um, the most interesting in the relationship-wise was the one of Lupita and her doppelganger, Red, you know? Yeah, um, right. Or particularly he, he, with the fact that Red actually talks. She actually speaks, right. but the way how she talks is in this sort of, like, um, like, not to spoil anything, but basically that there's something all wrong with her throat. Like, uh, it's almost like she has to force words out, so it has this kind of breathy kind of voice to her character. But it sounds very terrifying and creepy, so it's like, Oh, one day like that, that it sounds really yeah. weird but the way how Lupita does it works it was a laughable the first time I heard it but I was like alright again into it and then when they kind of reveal why it's that case like oh okay okay that's yeah, and yeah, yeah, I, I wish I picked why. up on it sooner okay yeah right as, as, right. as, as, as you mentioned earlier that the only kind of working you know um, subtext of the film is class right and not so much class but, but you know nature versus nurture an environment and that's the only thing that you could kind of read from the film or pull from it um again given given with the reveal at the end um that's the only thing that had going for it because everything else was like well why this happening who doing this why did x y and z do did did that and why did yeah. they do it for this reason and okay that's it that is why and it was unclear because when they saw when they saw the first images um on a television set and what it was, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember that was a thing. And I knew that was going to be relevant to the, to the plot. Um, I didn't get what, what, why it was being done and what, what, what it's going for. And like, again, if they had an answer, that could have worked. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, will, I will talk about that um, in, in a bit, right? But I just want to get the rest of good, right? Um, also, I thought that the cinematography was superb, in my opinion. There's there's lots yeah. and lots and lots of great shots, um, great use of lighting, especially for like the darker, you know, um, nocturnal moments, yeah. especially with the home invasion scenes. Though, um, I really thought that yes, just the cinematography there were, were um, worked very very well, just in creating that tone and the tension and whatnot. Uh, the music, uh, Michael Ebels, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, yeah. Second film that he scored the first one being not surprising get out right um yeah. i love how you know how he utilizes you know a lot of strings he has this kind of orchestral thing going on uh, there's this great moment although it took it, it almost took me out of it because it was just so weird and different but then as i got into it i was like all right this is kind of cool though he does this dark orchestral version of looney's um i got five on it 
yeah, for yeah. a rather, rather interesting scene that will go down as one of the most unique things I've seen in 2019, bar none. It was just so weird and strange. But I say that, I was like, it's kind of cool, though. Like, I, I like this. Like, I would yeah, not have um, thought of a scene was, like that. Yeah, I enjoy what he was doing with that. That was, that was interesting on its own. Yeah, um, I, but I know for some people, it might take them out by fire to be too weird and bizarre. But I don't know, boy. Is this something about this? It's like, huh, all right. This is cool. <laughs> like, I really never saw anything like this before. Um, as far as the whole I got five other thing, like, I, I, you know, I imagine a lot of people will be so, so far, you know, will go so far as to try to interpret what the song is about, where essentially the song is just about, yeah, guys passing blunts around and smoking weed, you know what I mean? So there's no real big meaning to it. But people are going to try to over overanalyze the song and then wonder, well, why... Is there this dark orchestral version of it in the movie? So does that mean that there was a reason why the song was played earlier on in the film? Is that supposed to hint at something bigger? We don't know. But I don't think that there is some kind of big reason. I think it's, I just think that it's because the intro be that doom, doom, that boom, boom, doom, doom. Yeah. It sounds kind of weird and dark anyway. And he just figured, hey, well what if we could use this and actually put this in a movie and be creative and clever with it? I think that's it. It's just a creative choice. I don't think there's any big meaning to it, right? So, um, the, the one thing that kind of took me in and out of the movie, right? But this is where I was kind of questioning what Jordan was trying to do in the movie here. Was the, I don't want to call them cliches, but the conventions that he uses here. Because it employs um, the home invasion genre. It has like this sort of um, sort of a slight zombie vibe going on. This all I was also picking up like a invasion of the body snatchers stuff going on here, basically. So it's kind of playing on old familiar horror films, especially like from the seventies, especially with the title credits being what they were very seventies inspired, in my opinion. Or I should say late 60s, because, um, yeah, Jordan Peele's a huge fan of uh, Rosemary's Baby. And the text kind of reminded okay. me of that. Um, similar to Get Out, it has that same style, right? Um, and especially with the creepy music that he used, very much like a Rosemary's Baby in a way. Uh, also kind of like the Omen in a way, the sort of like Latin chants, basically. But yeah. that song in particular really stuck to me. Really creepy, kind of weird. But you could tell that it's Jordan kind of paying homage to that style of horror right but yeah but the horrific moments right and like i said before because he's going for more visceral horror where it's just like characters are in danger it's not like it's slowly building like say a get out it's just like characters are in danger right now what are they gonna do they have to run they have to escape they get hurt get sliced wherever right moments like that i was kind of wondering if it was just trying to be like a parody of horror films because yeah characters right. would kind of do things that I would say do make sense, but that's kind of dumb. <laughs> but, well, um, but, but but here's the thing. Well, 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 just just want to wrap this up before we could get to your thoughts, right? So, user quote that double toasted use, right? Um, black black stereo. I saw this in Trini stereo, right? I know you probably saw it the same way to Ricardo. And the audience I saw it with, they were cracking up. They were laughing at yeah. all the horrific moments, like ah, oh, you know, we just cracking up now. And I, I was in my head, I was telling myself. Is that what Jordan is going for? Does he just want the horror film that's, that will get the audience engaged? They're going to be laughing. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Because, yes, there, are, there is a, a really really effective blend of, of, um, of horror and comedy. Eh? Really effective. Eh? Right. 
Whereas yeah. almost like something horrific will happen and then something comedic will happen. That's the way how right. we balance that was effortless in my opinion. But I was warning really if it was all intentional, the, the sort of goofy moments where a character would do something kind of, as we see in Trinidad, out of time. Well, so like, yeah. this will make no sense, but, but you're wondering yeah. if he's just doing that to get the audience engaged, to get them laughing, to kind of keep them from not picking up on the real story, what's really going on, you know what I mean? And that's where we'll get to the end. But yeah, that's all I'll say for now. Um, well, Burkhardt, you want to weigh in on what I was saying or not? No, yeah, yeah. As I said, you had really a genuine comedy person, and he, he's a guy who specializes in absurdist comedy in the movie, yes, yes, which is yes. Tim Hayeka um, of Tim and Eric fame, right? And he, I think, fit in the role, but he didn't really do much because he was just like, oh, well, he just had this one joke with him and his wife, played by Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. Um, um, I, was, I, did, I did like Tim's doppelganger. I like what he did with that. Could have done a little right. bit more, that, that, but, but I wish they could. Have, yeah, I like what he did with that. That was cool. Right. And that was kind of interesting in its own right, but it was it was working in its own premise of what was, you know, what was, again, <laughs> all of this would have worked better if it was in service to the final plot of what was really going on and why it was happening. Like, why yes, exactly yes, it was happening? Was, was the reasoning behind it? Can just be just just for those reasons. Like, those are generally good reasons, plot rights, to do something, but you need to still have a final purpose to why it is, it's happening. And they didn't really give us that, and I had a problem with that. Um, yeah. Um, but this one, I'll talk about the ending in a bit, right? But uh, just to kind of explain what I was just saying. Yeah, so the, like, even your heroes themselves will just do stuff, and you're kind of wondering, well, all right, why, why, why you would do this? Why you would run that way? Why you would take long to do this action? Like the person's right yeah. there. Why would you do that now? So, once again, I, I still think that it's all intentional. I was take, taking everything as just being intentional. It's not like sloppy writing. I just think because Jordan knows a lot about horror, he's just doing these things to to get the audience distracted. Basically, that's that's what I feel like he was just doing this as a distraction to kind of, you know. Get audit, get viewers away from what really is going on. But then when the the final moments happen, that's what it puts things in a whole new di- um, direction. You kind of have to go back and ask yourself what really was going on. Because yeah, he was just busy laughing and pointing and saying, "Oh, you're stupid," blah 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 blah. But then when the ending hits us, like now I have to go back and think about it. And not just with the doppelgangers themselves, but that's really the characters as well. You know what I mean? All I like though is that. With the doppelgangers themselves, they do things slightly opposite of their human counterparts. So, like, like let's just say with um, with uh, Winston Duke's doppelganger, um, Winston Duke himself, because he's kind of sheepish and he won't do certain things. You have the doppelganger who's more direct. You know, what I mean, he'll more do things. But because they have similar personalities, this is just my speculation. That's why he didn't really. He could have just killed him easily. But he didn't really do that, you know. He kind of just right. knocked him out. Or whatever, you know, I, so so I took this part that, of that part, you know. No, that part was that part was interesting. The consistency of it because um, he, you know, the, the white family's clones killed them immediately. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, right. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. That was plot wise. I kind of get what was going on there in terms of like what was being explained. I was like, okay, this was this makes sense. That kind of makes sense. Um, and I really again, I don't know. Again, again, feel this is one of those movies that could I have one more pass of the script. We get that feeling because I don't yeah. know. I cannot not sure what what he was going for in the end, and because it was so unclear what he was trying to go for. 
So right. that, that's the big reservation of the film now. I don't right. Know. Uh, last things last before we get to rate it, because as much as we could talk, you know, for hours about this show, this is clearly one that we have to see again. And yeah, it's really designed that you have to watch it again and form your own hypothesis or whatever on it, right? But to me, how I saw the whole show in general is, once again, using Twilight Zone, for example. Like, you know, the argument would be that, yes, there are many, many episodes of Twilight Zone where it's just about characters in a weird situation and they get out of it or they don't, right? But as to what is going on or why it's going on, you know, in particular, there's not really a clear explanation, though. Like, there's, there's episodes where you have just enough world building for you to understand what's going on, right? But then there's, yeah. there's the episodes where, and in particular, well, um, a case in point, Mirror Image, right? Uh, a famous episode of Twilight Zone, which, um, yeah, Jordan was inspired by, where basically is this woman, she's at this train station, she's waiting to get on a train, and then she sees herself outside, and it's just, who is this person, basically, right? And then, well, spoiler, at the very end, somebody else, it happens to somebody else. There's a doppelganger of that second person. You never say where the doppelganger come from. It's just, well, what if, you know, you, you know, there's another version of you, you know, doing that. So it's never like an explanation as to why things are happening, but it's just how the characters reacted. And that's how I see us be, basically being, you know, and I, yeah. all this is intentional, by opinion. So as far as the spoilers go, as, as the big reveal, um, there's not really a big explanation as to the why, no, it's just the what. This is what it is. This is the car- this is the doppelgangers. This is what happened. Um, but there's never a why. Why do they wear these red suits? Why do they have golden scissors? Why do they right. have to go through this elaborate plot? You know, why do they have to leave where they are to go to the surface, basically, to do what they do? Was this some big ulterior plan from the 80s? Because um, right. I was thinking it was like a cult. It was some kind of plan to take over america maybe that's why the title is us you know us blah 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 you know what i mean maybe that's the reason but they don't explain it they don't they don't give any clear explanations why it's just right. what this is what happened what what right. what, 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 another thing this is the last kind of point i'll make before reading um another thing in film is that it, it it had a big basically a big old expo dump which i have usually i generally hate and i kind of hate in this movie um yeah, yeah it was too heavy uh, exposition, exposition dump. They could have kept like a few things. Um, they could have kept back yeah. a few things. I didn't do it, but oftentimes right. it's just, all right, I'm going to tell you everything that's going to happen. Bam, 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 bam. Because I just kept out that a few little points. So when you watch it again, you could piece together by yourself. And I, I right. understand. You have to kind of give context to what was happening over the past um one forty minutes, but still, you're thinking like we get out, they will answer everything. But because they don't, you you had to go back and really ask yourself, well, you know, well, since you didn't answer these set of questions, then it didn't really make that much sense to kind of explain all this stuff first. If at the end you're still not gonna tell about exactly what's going on, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so but I yeah, but overall, it. but overall, like this is this is Joe, like I said, you know, this is Jordan Spiel, this is Jordan Peele's official Twilight Zone episode. Like, if he had the chance to write episodes, and I'm really hoping that he do, and I'm not talking about like adapt from classic material that Rod Sterling and Richard Matheson and uh, Ray Bradbury wrote, but his own work there. You know, this is like this is how it would be. You know what I mean? 
Um, and you know, I would I would confess, like after I saw the show, I was watching some spoiler reviews, some things that I didn't pick up on that they reveal, and I didn't really get into the analysis stuff. I'll, I probably will do that later on, or maybe when I watch it again, when I go in and I form my own little hypothesis, and then I compare to what other people say. Yeah, and this is the type of show. This is what this is what is it was designed to do. It was so it was supposed to be challenging, right? Not as thought provoking as get out but really more challenging because just off that last shot alone people like i imagine people would have walk out like what what is this but i came oh, out yeah. like i get what him was trying to do i get what he was trying to do you know he, he gave you the the genre film which is just the visceral horror right but that was just a disguise that was just to disguise it from what really is going on you know and for some people like once they yeah. kind of pick up all going on they might find the film to be kind of pretentious and just you know, well, dumb, I was, but I don't I think was, so. I don't think that's that's what he's going for. It was supposed to be was, challenging and, and really make it think about what's going on. And I imagine, yes, a couple people are gonna analyze this film, but hopefully for the right reasons. Uh, I don't want people to, to to come like a few years later and say, "This is why us fails. This is why us sucks." You know what I mean? Because right. the story didn't make any sense. And logically, uh, I think this is like my big gripe that logically. So things don't make sense at all. <laughs> but once again, Twilight Zone, you know, make that comparison. Right. No, as I say, my, my thing is that if it had a if the ending the ending had a, had it kind of backward in terms of what the logic of it was. Because it just seemed to be done for its own sake rather than giving a clear purpose as to why it's being done. That's that's agreed. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Accept it on that level, then the movie works. If you don't accept it on that level, the movie kind of doesn't doesn't work as well or kind of falters. And for me personally, I thought it faltered. I would have liked a clearer answer as to why this happened. Like in Get Out, when the reveal happens, there is a very clear answer as to why. Yeah. Right? We know and what that was that, quite, that, that, that was quite shocking and thought provoking right. for me. Like because when I saw it. Does, it in Get Out, well, the big, well, I can think we could spoil Get Out. We don't have like, to spoil it. He's like, what, two years old right now? Right. Yeah, man, spoil it. In the case of Get Out, why it works is because of just the sheer utility of well immortality, right? Yes. And but they just took it on a on this new on context, a, well race right. basically, right? Raul slash Orochimaru, you know. <laughs> yeah. And that works on its own on its own merit because because even if you're saying there's a utility to the racial angle, the utility is using the racial angle on its own merit because that's the nihilism of the situation. As in you have a bunch of people who are not really racist, but they know full well racism fucking works, and yeah. they'll they'll use it to, to its own sake. Have a, many many people who in a racist system not actually racist. That's the whole rub. That's that's where the rub of it is. They're not actually racist, but they they need racism to flourish, right? That's it. Yeah, that works. And uh, and the, the sub the subtext will. That's why I kind of read that subtext in Get Out. That's my just kind of my amateur reading of Get Out, right? No, but that, uh, that, that's a great observation right there, actually. It actually makes me kind of go, want to go back and think about it from that perspective. Because when the guy, when the guy says, look, I'm not into this as much, when he, when he started to talk to him, the old man who's dying, he's yes. like, yeah, look, I'm into this as much as you, but look, I need your eyes. That's it. He just yeah, eyes it, right? Exactly. Yeah. They'll leave it. You know. Cool. Um, this didn't have that. I, I did, at no point I got what, you know, what the, well, I don't want to sell it out necessarily, but in the beginning of the movie, why that was necessary and I remember that was a thing, eh? That was a very real thing, eh? Um, well, I didn't get why that was necessarily relevant to the plot. Pussy. Yeah, um, they, they, they could have just 
develop that a little bit and made it make us actually kind of well let's just, but yeah that and kind of buy it like you know maybe back in the 80s this was like a, a plot to do this you know what i mean so you, 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 you make you like common it no it works in the it dies like common conspiracy theory stuff right because again you can get into big big arguments about um you know black people and and taught and and like it was everybody in, the, in everybody but it was black people and um you know government experiments and these kind of things i have all this history of all of that conspiracy stuff and well the fbi want to secretly you know they secretly monitor video games to look for champions of beaten video games and have a whole yeah. Running conspiracy theory about that stuff, right? The oh, and, and, and as you say that, as you say that, sorry to cut you, as you say that, um, one of the characters says a couple of conspiracy line, um, theory lines as well, too, you know, yeah, right. kind of hinted yeah. at the world coming to end. So that was that was great right. foreshadowing there, you know, I got that right, right, because she mentioned, um, fluoride yeah, she, and water. She did, yeah, uh, the, the daughter, yeah, fluoride used to brainwash in, people. <laughs> Which is like a common conspiracy theory, like a really popular common conspiracy theory that you hear all the time. It's, yeah. And all it's fine, you know, but you see, when you're saying that, when you're saying that, and you, you can't just say it for its own sake, that's not, in my opinion, it's not, it doesn't work on its own sake. You have to give that itself a final purpose. And what they do with it is not, like, I don't know, I don't know what's the point of that. If, if you accept, again, if you accept it for its own sake, and given, given what you understand about power structures and whatnot, it's perfectly fine. If you don't, you have a problem. Then I am the kind of guy that needs, you know, again, I need my Aristotelian final cause to address what's going on here now. Um, yeah, yeah, I understand. I, I, I kind of wish that there was a little bit of logic involved because, yes, right. people will come out kind of questioning the logic in it and you could say, well, it's not so much about the logic, it's just about the scenario, i.e. like a Twilight yeah. Zone episode. Right. Once again, because... And not just because it's Jordan Peele, but because of the the canvas that they they use here, this this broad one, this broad canvas they use here, you kind of have to question the logic of it at the very end. You know what I mean? But yeah, uh, yeah. overall, at the end, just to get to it, is overall, uh, I do see this be, being like regarded as one of the one of the the great horror films in terms of just the genre, as in delivering genre trills and whatnot, right? And for me yeah. personally, like I, I want it to be a lot scare, a lot more scary. It's more thrilling than anything right. else, you know. What I mean, right. like I, I'm the one who kind of wants to go in and be scared, you know. When I see a horror, I get my thrills, but I didn't get enough scares. But I wouldn't really fall that, right? You know, what I mean, it's just designed to get the audience excited and get them engaged in what's going on. But like I right. keep saying, it's just to distract them from what actually is what what is actually going on. And as for that, that's really, you know, it's, it leaves it out there. So it's just basically for you to see it again and hopefully try to piece things together. Although I think no matter how much times you do see it, uh, you will get the full answer anyway. But I do imagine that the more, the more times I see it, more I'll be impressed by this. Cause yeah, this is a solid second out in, from John Peel. Uh, and yeah, because he's sticking with horror, I just can't wait to see what, he's, what, what he has to do next. You know, he like he. I know he tried to make the big masterpiece here. Like you know, once again, one of the greatest of all time kind of movies. This one was close, but that, it didn't really fully. It didn't really make it there as such. But yeah, this is a solid entry, not just in his uh, filmography, but just in the horror genre as well. You know what I mean? And not just in terms of just delivering the trills and the scares, but making us think at the very end, making us kind of 
can't not really haunt us with the end of the film or the, with the big twist and whatnot, but just having us think about what happened and just kind of thinking about it with ourselves and you know where we are in society and stuff like that. So rated wise for me, I will give this a decent, a strong four. I imagine with more viewings, this will go to a strong four. Maybe it might be in my, in my top 10 for the year. But right now, I kind of think it will just be between, you know, six and 10. Like, I wanted it to be, like, top five, but ah, I kind of doubt that. Like, you know, uh, yeah. Get Out was was top was number five for me back in 2017. But this one yeah. could either be within the six to 10, you know, category, basically. But in a way, I might say that this is a terrible film or you will come out of it feeling disappointed. Although I guess that depends on the, the viewer. But if you want to just go in and get your, your, your horror thrills and be challenged at the same time, yeah, check out us. Uh, what, what's, what's your rating, Ricardo? Yeah, for me, um, I guess I'm a movie town. No, um, no movie town. I was thinking give this a low movie tone. I was thinking uh, I, 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 give this a low movie tone. No, yeah, more on the higher end of things. Um, because it, it, it still have a lot of stuff that I like in it and, and you know, peace. And, but because I'm not a horror fan per se, I don't know what to look for um, necessarily. Like in terms of like, what does make a great horror or anything like that. I just, oh, I just, characters just have to kind of start making sense in terms of decision-making. And they were kind of making sense in terms of decision-making until coming on to the end. Um, so that is it. I like the first two acts of this film. And then the third act just kind of falls off in. Um, but yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then the big reveal, or the, the, I wouldn't say the twist, but the reveal wasn't particularly special. Um, not bad, but just not special. Again, it, 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 it's in the bingo board. As in, it's something that you would just kind of guess. Um, you could guess and you could say, oh, well, this is what might be. And, you know, you have about up to 12 different options and one of those options is going to be right. And, you know, I was right. You know, yeah. I don't, one of those you don't guess necessarily, but you just, you guess within your, 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 your rubric of options. And so it's that, as I call it the bingo board. So right. that is it. Yeah. Um, uh, last, last things, last I want to say though, um, this really is proving that, um, yeah, you know, there are, you know, new ideas, new stories. I would really call them fully original because as much as I want to call us original, because I was thinking about Invasion of the Body Satchers so much times while I was watching this, it's like, yeah, it's clearly inspired by, you know, classic films like that. Um, and also sci-fi films as well, okay? Yeah, it does have a slight kind of sci-fi tinge to it, right? right? But um, yeah, this is like just really proving that, you know, that, you know, like the horror genre is... Will will stand the test of time, you know, stuff like Hereditary, The Witch, you know, and us, yeah, they're just proving that, you know, you could do so much more with horror than this, you know, visceral trills and just blood and gore and stuff like that. And if one thing, if you notice, they really emphasize too much on the blood, like when the violent acts were happening, it's either off screen or it's from, you know, just the camera looking at the person doing the act. And you would just see like splatters of blood, but they wouldn't really emphasize on, you know, blood and gore and stuff like that, even though it's there. You know what I mean? So, yeah. just really proving that, yeah, you know, horror is 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 yeah is is not going anywhere anytime soon. And um, well, I didn't mention this early on, but I still think that there is something up with the characters themselves, the human characters. Like, and once again, you know, me thinking about the intentionality of the film, I was wondering if it's just you know. Um, whether it's like, okay, these are film characters and this the reason why they're acting like that is because they're in film and the real characters, you know what I mean, uh, 
outside of what we're seeing on screen. So, you know, just so much ways to interpret the film now. But yeah, I mean, if that was the point, then John Peel really nails it. You know what I mean, just really giving us challenging films like that. And yeah. yeah, I praise the ambition. You know, I mean, it's not too, you know, over the top or whatnot. You know, it's not like being too pretentious in art. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big director. You know, what I mean, I could do arty right. party stuff. That no, the man, this is his second film, but right. I just want to see more great films from him. Um, I hope that he doesn't, you know, drop off and become an M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, one of these days, I, I want to sit back and kick back and watch a uh, John Peel marathon and be entertained throughout, man. So yeah, sky's the limit for John Peel. Um, this is another, you know example of how you know great he is just as a just it was a creativity and whatnot uh, even though it might be a hundred percent excellent and yeah i just can't wait to see what he does with um with twilight zone you know with with that series starting tomorrow the time it's recorded and yeah just his other movies as well you know just really can't wait to see what he does next yeah all right so with all that being said uh ricardo where can we find you online i'm at rmedy that is at rmedy on twitter and you can type in Ricardo Medino on Facebook. You can find me. All right. You can find me on Twitter as well. Just look for Bear Beat Bailey. Um, on Instagram, it's Bear Beats and Bailey. And on Facebook, just look for my name, Matthew Bailey, along with Illegally Black Blog, official fan base, where you find a link to this podcast as well as the others that we've done over the past few years, including retrospect reviews. Uh, so stuff to look forward to. April, boy. April is going to be very. Very, very, yeah. very hectic for us, boy. Uh, for one thing, uh, we have Shazam coming up. Yeah. We have the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, um, the yeah. second half of the first season. I don't know why why they could just call it a season two, but it is Netflix, right? Uh, we have Justice League versus the Fetal Five coming up. Right. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, we also have a retrospect review coming later on in April. Uh, we also have Star Trek Discovery. Well, I finally have to catch up on that. Right. Um, I know like, in your been, case, there's the Orville. So, well, I've been, so I've been keeping up with Discovery. So, um, but Discovery, what yet yeah, ending soon, right? What, what's that? Yeah, it's on? supposed to be ending um, in April. I think it's late okay. April. So, I'm gonna make okay. the effort to catch up on that. Orville, I'm not too sure, but I was kind of underwhelmed by the first uh-huh. season. But okay, so I, I, I kind of warm up to the Orville a little bit. Um, it still, it still hasn't done anything. Ch- you know, particularly interesting or special, but what the show has started to do, at least in the last couple of episodes, is that it started focusing on the character who, in my opinion, embodies the nature of the show. And to me, the show works when you focus on this one character. And they started to do that. And I actually kind of enjoyed, you know, the last couple of episodes because they focus on this one character. So that's it. Not to right. say about all. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. We also have Pet Cemetery, which right. I heard a lot of great things about. Um, and you know, as far as Stephen King film adaptations go, uh, the reboot of Hellboy that nobody asks for, but again, because yeah. um, I mean, I, I really do love the first two movies, but you know, Del Toro just decided, hey, I could have do a part three, but hey, I won an Oscar, right? So screw that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we have this R-rated reboot that um, I guess people were clamoring for. Um, I guess some people saying that they they expecting a movie to bomb. I don't know. Okay. Maybe it's because they have Mila um, jo- um, jo- jo- Jovic in it. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know, maybe. But I don't know. I, I kind of curious to see what they do here because I like Hellboy. I like the character of Hellboy. I love right. the world of Hellboy itself. So I really hope that the film does do it justice and not just be this edgelord thing because it has an R rating, right? Yeah. And uh, last but not least, at the end of the month, uh, end of April, I should say, 
Avengers Endgame. Yeah, the big one. The big one. Yes, the the, the three-hour and two-minute epic that better be worth the IMAX money (laughs) that I spent. (laughs) This This movie better be good because I don't know what I'm going to do if it isn't. You might um, Manona Cinema Dread. You might. Yeah. I say I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do if it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know either. <laughs> I, I, might, know I, 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 I might pull out some matches and a flambo and do some dread. Right? <laughs> yeah, but I, I expected this show to, to be excellent. But I just keep up with fingers crossed at the Russo brothers. Because, I mean, the reason they, they set the, the, the bar so high with this three-hour cut of the movie here. So yeah. I already know that there could be missteps here and there, but I just keep my fingers crossed that they, right. they at least put out a, a, a perfect, a near perfect product. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so yeah, as, as Captain America say, you know, much like how they plan better work, I don't know what I'm gonna do if it isn't. This movie better be good. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. if it isn't, that, that movie so, better, it better move me emotionally. I better be shocked. Yeah. I better laugh. I better uh, cry. Yeah, no, listen, I better I'll do say, something. I'll say, not since, not since Lord of the Rings Return of the King that I've been hyped for a big final movie since, you know, since then. Yes, 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 exactly. A perfect reference but, but, too, because yeah, yeah, this, this have to be the Return of the King of, um, of, 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 the, of the MCU, you know? Yeah, yeah. well, that's what we get here. That, get, that is what, on that level of that hyper. And look, Return of the King, also to this day, Return of the King is my favorite cinema experience ever. Because of I want to see that. It is. It is. Yeah, I, I, I went to the two and see it. That was that was glorious. I went glorious. Christmas night in Globe Dread. So that ah, was just. I went. I went. Um, not yeah, Boxing Day, but the day after Boxing Day, I went. Right. Yeah, I just I just went to that Christmas night eh, with my family, and that was just ridiculous levels of wildness, and it was fucking amazing. So I, I want something on that level. So yeah. cool. That would have been a great Christmas for you, boy, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I, I expected that that level of, of excitement and just ah, yeah. glory well, with, with this movie here. And yeah, that's pretty much about it. So once again, guys, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whatever this is. This was Match Melian. Ricardo Medina. And we are signing off from another episode of BSV to Bailey. So until the next one, take care. Peace. <laughs>